We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Our primary goal on the show is to get to the bottom of why people do the things they do and why people say the things that they say, including yourself. I've got my lovely co-host with me, Julie. How are you? (laughs) Oh, hey. This episode's all about communication, which is the core of it, right? The crux of everything with why people do and say the things that they do. Oftentimes, you don't know until you ask. That has been a a hard lesson to learn. (laughs) I cannot count how many people I know as adults who are actually good at communicating. I really can't. Uh, On on Um, my 10 fingers right now. One in two. two. (laughs) Obviously. Ish. ish. I'm still getting there, but my parents, definitely not great communicators. 
Uh-uh. I th- I think okay. I think the two of us have made huge strides because I do think communication is uh, you have to really put a lot of work into it, and it's True. not going to just happen overnight. I think I was really bad at communication for a long time, and I think a lot of people like me think because we're extroverted and we talk all the time, we're good at communication. But that is not always not the, the case. case. Just because you're good at talking doesn't mean that you're good at communicating. And I'm always at awe, like, why don't we learn this growing up as a skill? Like, we learn about communication, like, in terms of, like, advertising and persuasion, but not communicating with, like, each other. Like, why? Yeah, I kind of think back to when I was in third grade and I had a fight with my best friend, Sook Young, that that was her name. (laughs) And nobody could help me figure it out like how to get in her good graces how to how to become friends with her again my teachers couldn't figure it out i just cried every day she would ignore me and i don't even remember why we were fighting in the first place but i wish instead of learning all the other shit that we learned in third grade which i i don't remember what we were learning right. i wish someone sat me down and was like this is how you talk to your best friend when you have a conflict i think i was just so conflict avoidant for so many years because i equated conflict to ending something like if we had conflict everything was going to end it actually took me i think alexandra solomon dr alexandra solomon we had her had her what was it season seven like marriage 101 we had her on and i remember her saying something that stuck with me is like conflict is inevitable in a relationship because you are you're thinking one way and someone else is thinking a different way You're not going to think the exact same way. Therefore, conflict is going to happen. And it doesn't need to be a fight. It doesn't need to be drama. It could be a conversation. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, that was like something that was just like, it was a definite aha moment. Because I think growing up, I didn't see that type of communication. And conflict is just a terrible word. It just sounds a little bit aggressive. If we said challenge, it might be a different way of looking at it. Evolving your relationship may be a way to look at it. I have the same thought as you, Julie. I feel like conflict means fight and fight Mm -hmm. means end of something. And I don't want to rock the boat. I wish just things would just stay the way they are and I don't need to address my needs and I don't need to address my partner's needs. But everything eventually explodes. That's a universal truth. If you don't communicate your needs, if you don't communicate in general, someone explodes and it never ends well. I think the best compliment I've ever gotten to date, though, was that um, with my ex- like that I've mentioned on this podcast, like when we first dated, I was definitely conflict avoidant. Like I Mm -hmm. didn't want to say anything to rock the boat. I made his needs were more important than my needs. And then when we revisited this relationship over the pandemic, I mean, this is like, what, five years of dateable later, he's like, oh my God, you're like a totally different person. But like, in a good way, like he like was like, I like that you're just being so much more direct and not like, hiding it. And I think that has given me permission now in my new relationship too to just be very proactive with communication and not be afraid that it's going to like ruin things, you know? Because at the end of the day, you need to be able to, like I think communication to be is like one of the top thing needs I have in a relationship. And if I can't communicate with someone, I need to know that. And I got to give major props to Julie because Julie has been the one who has helped me become more direct in my communication too. Julie in recent years has, before <laughs> 
before we start recording, she's multiple times she's been like, UA, I, something I just want to get off my chest. Let's just talk about it, address it now. And in the beginning, admittedly, it was scary because I'm like, oh, this is a confrontation. What did right. I do wrong? Are we having a fight? But the way Julie communicates is very direct. Here's what I saw. This is what happened. This is how it made me feel. Can we talk about why this is making me feel this way? And I've really appreciated that kind of direct uh, communication because I'm glad it takes me out of my comfort zone, that it makes me it makes me uncomfortable. It should make me uncomfortable because it's forcing me to change and forcing me to address the situation. And I, I have to give major props to Julie. If that's how she speaks to her partners, I can see that there's just really no, there's no guessing with Julie. Like, you know, she'll Aww. tell you <laughs> how she truly feels so that you never feel like you're in the dark. And that I think that's what makes a really valuable partner. Uh, I really appreciate hearing that. <laughs> that is like the, the maybe now the new best thing I've ever heard. But I think, <laughs> but I think like if I think our relationship earlier, even our relationship in the first couple of years, both of us like skirted around things. And I think for sure you have definitely become more direct as well. I see it with you and your partner, but mm. also you and I as partners too. I love that our partners will always know that they have a second partner to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Our part, but see, this partnership is different because we it are is. friends first and foremost, and then we became business partners. And confronting your friends is not a thing that I'm accustomed to. I've never no. confronted a friend or sat a friend down to talk about something. Certainly, I've had those feelings, but never got them out in the open. So I really appreciate that I've progressed to this point. I think there is something with friends, though, that you like, there's something that feels different than significant others about bringing yeah. stuff up and I actually read that book Big Friendship by the co-hosts that do Call Your Girlfriend Oh, and they I mean they're they're definitely in a more of a similar boat than you and I because they're like business partners and friends mm. so they went to therapy together like they talk about the two of them in therapy together that's a great idea and <laughs> society tells you you wouldn't do that with friends right I have ended friendships with people before. Like I had a friend, I was in her wedding and we don't talk anymore. And that's kind of sad actually. And like, that is. you know, it's like, it's on one side. It's like, sometimes it's inevitable. It's kind of like a breakup. Sometimes people will just grow apart and it is what it is, but we didn't try. We didn't try to make it work in my, <sighs> so and I, true. I'm the one that shut down. Like I'll admit it. Like I totally shut down with it. And that sucks. Like looking back on it, that really sucks. And I don't ever want to do that with you or romantic partners or any of my friends again. I a thousand percent agree with that. So other than our podcast, you know, my other favorite podcast is called Unfuck Your Brain. With, yes. yes. Uh, with Cara, we need to get her on. Lauren Lowenthal. <laughs> I can't say her last name, but she had a whole episode about toxic people in your life. And the, the way she phrased it was this. She said, there are no toxic people in your life. You make them toxic in your mind. Ooh. So if you find that you... Uh, like someone makes you feel a certain way that's negative or gets you riled up, spend more time with them to work through that as opposed to just labeling them as toxic. It's the easiest thing to do is, you know, we hear it on all those like Instagram influencers always like get rid of toxic people in your life. Mm -hmm. Just cancel them. It's not like that. People can't be canceled. And no. I totally agree with her. People aren't toxic. You make them toxic in your mind. Or at least prove out your point. Like right. you got to at least try to have the 
the conversations and then if they don't want to do it that's another story but if you're just not trying like how I don't know I was like talking to a friend the other night about this about like um, someone that they like care deeply on and they're like he never seems to be in a relationship because as soon as it gets difficult he bolts Mm. and I think a lot of us do that especially with app culture it's like oh there's someone else around the corner but the and I think Alexandra Solomon said this you're gonna have conflicts with everyone it might not be the same type of conflict something inevitably is gonna come up inevitably so so I feel like our listeners are getting energized by this conversation (laughs) and being like okay bring out the conflict what do I do now we need the the tools and the skill set to to have these conversations and this is what this episode is all about we've got Sandy Weiner who is a communication specialist she also has a podcast you'll hear Mm -hmm. all about her on this episode but she will give you the tools of addressing conflict and working through that which is phenomenal and she's trained in nonviolent communication and she actually talks about her own personal life too I love when experts will go into their own because she admits like she wasn't great at communication in her marriage and that was a big part of why it ended and I think sometimes you kind of have to hit rock bottom with certain things to like make that conscious change of being like I need to actually really focus on communication like this is a problem this is something I didn't learn in school this is something I didn't have good role models for like I need to be proactive and figure it out right and we should forgive ourselves nobody is born a good communicator the default is we're all bad communicators (laughs) and it is up to us to work our way up to good communicators so you're just at the default if you don't think you're a good communicator it's okay just work your way up but you got this you got our this whole (laughs) 60 minutes there you go step one and then you know we this is like the week of communication for us I didn't Mm -hmm. realize this this was kind of like a (laughs) by accident thing that happened but for anyone that's been with us for a bit you've heard us mention the sounding board our community our premium community where we have events but we also give a bonus audio every month and it's Mm -hmm. really like the audio and UA and I feel so bullish about this that these are the types of things that really make you dateable. Like you can fix up your profile all you want, not saying you shouldn't do it, but at the core of it, it's like the communication piece, like that is so important. So we actually have a bonus episode this month that's all about communicating your needs, which Mm. is like kind of taking this a step further in that. And there's going to be a discussion group next Thursday. So Thursday, June 10th. Whoa, already? Oh my god, I can't How believe we're in June. June. Oh yeah, I know. Goodness. It's like that that this isn't year. right when I was saying it out loud. I'm like, no, it yeah. is. We we released the episode the first week of the month. Holy so shite. June third it will be out, and then we do the follow-up a week later while it's fresh. And people have just loved these discussions because they're like, Where else can I freaking talk about anxiety? And everyone's like, I get it, and I'm supporting you, and I'm here with you. Like, there aren't really that many places you could do stuff like this. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Other than therapy. This is like a form of therapy cheaper than therapy cheaper speaking of therapy i feel like there was such an overwhelming response to last week's episode with most dateable brian clark so giving you a shout out there also also um want to address a really unfortunate thing that apple is changing some ways that they bring out episodes so i'm really hoping this like doesn't continue but apparently we heard this actually from frolic um our our podcast network some other podcasters reported this also is that usually apple podcasts like immediately 
shows the episode. Out the episode, yeah. But for whatever reason, this week it's been like a 24 hour delay. So some of you were like, hey, where's the episode? I just want to be assured that it, it went out. Uh, it should be there now. So if you did missed it, hopefully this one will not have that same lag time. But definitely make sure to subscribe because we've heard that, or at least I saw even on my feed that like in the subscribed one, it was there, but in the like general search on the app, it wasn't. So make sure you subscribe. And then if it's not for whatever reason, you can always turn to Spotify. Personally, Spotify, I I personally use just because I listen to everything else there, but it went out right away there. So hopefully this will get resolved. Yeah. So this is a PSA to switch out of (laughs) Apple Podcasts (laughs) and go to Spotify. And this episode is brought to you by Spotify. <laughs> but it's true. That would sometimes be great. It, if that, that, was. Would be, that would be the best transition. It's true. Sometimes you don't see that re- episodes right away, but we are very on time with our episodes and when we push them out. So if you don't see it that night, just go on Spotify. Try just Google or whatever. Go on our website. Go to mm. iHeart, <laughs> any other platform, and you should be able to see. I it. think this. Hopefully, this is going to get resolved. Apple did like the a major overhaul of its podcast app, which. Mm-hmm. It's super exciting. We're definitely still pro Apple, so don't want to feel like we're not. <laughs> we know a lot of you listen that way and keep keep those reviews coming. That's the second PSA. But we um if it's not there, I think definitely make sure you're subscribed. I think that's step number one. Yes. Yes. And let's get those episodes out there. Julie, do you remember this mug? You've seen this mug. Queen of freaking ev- fucking everything. Freaking? <laughs> Did you just self-censor? I <laughs> she's like queen. queen- of ducking queen everything. Of, queen of fucking everything. Like, I feel like that could get interpreted two yes. different ways. And I remember this because the first time you saw this mug, you're like, I want to take a picture of it for dateable for some of our for some of our promo stuff. And I was like, Julie, this has another <laughs> meaning. I feel like you could be the queen of fucking everything or you could be the queen of fucking, fucking everything. everything. I do not remember this mug at all. Maybe I'm losing it. I am like blanking on this whole interaction, but I'm whenever glad I, that you were able to pull it out for me again. Whenever I drink out of it, I think of you. I'm like, is it really? queen of fucking everything or queen of fucking everything? <laughs> everything it's both maybe that should be a merch slogan also yeah well talk about a communication mishap (laughs) exactly what do you really mean by that but it is back toward the sounding board is not too late if you want to get access to our Mm -hmm. latest audio series all about communicating your needs just go to datablepodcast.com slash sounding board yep and that's all levels have access Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. So time to go to our dating advice segment where we try to dole out the best dating advice we can possibly give from our five years of doing this podcast and talking to thousands of daters. We've collected all the data. (laughs) And here's a question for all of us. So listeners try to wade in on this too. The question is, how do I communicate to someone that I'm really interested in them Mm. without sounding desperate? Yes. The D yes. word. I know. We got the V word. We got D word. We got the F word. We got so many alphabet <laughs> they words. All have, they all have different meanings they, they also. All, <laughs> and we're going to lose track. And we're like, what was that word again? What, what the letter J word is the journey. Yep. Okay, got the them all. Journey. Uh, without sounding desperate. So I think the word desperate also comes from one's own insecurity. Because uh, I think what may, you may think sounds desperate probably doesn't sound desperate to the other person. It may just sound like flattery or a compliment. Yeah. 
But I think communicating your interests is all about it coming from your authentic self. So not communicating in a way like, I've seen this in rom-coms or reality TV shows. It's a grand gesture. It's like, I've really enjoyed spending time with you. And every time that we say goodbye, I can't wait to see you the next time. So I just want to let you know that I'm really enjoying our time together. I think that's a very a very authentic way to communicate you're like right. for someone. And for whatever reason, that's so difficult Why for us. Why is it so hard? I mean, that one I think is like the safest one because you're not even really saying that you like like the person that much. You're just saying you enjoy the time together. Yeah. Super safe. But for whatever reason, it's still difficult. I personally think put it out there. Like what mm-hmm. do you have to lose? I think sometimes people too feel more compelled to give you those comments back in return when they feel like th- feeling the same way. They're yeah. open to receiving it but they need like that person to kind of show the path and you know what we've learned is not everyone's as dateable as you all are because you guys are tuning (laughs) in every week there's a large population that is not and shame on them they should be but they're not and I think sometimes it might be on you that's been more evolved to just put it out there I mean what's the worst that can happen I think this whole desperate thing like who cares if they think you're desperate like really when you think about it I don't actually think anyone would think you're desperate I think they might just be like, oh, shoot, we're in a different place. Like, I'm not feeling what they're feeling. But is that really a bad thing? Wouldn't you rather know that than like think that like you're in this other, especially like, I'm not saying like confess your love for this person on like date number one, but saying you had a good time with them like is not that much at the end of the day. Like, it's not. No, I feel like the word desperate comes around when given a situation like this, for example, if you are constantly rejected by your mm-hmm. per- the person that you want to go on dates with and he or she is like, no, I don't want to see you. And then you keep telling them that you want to see them and that you're right. interested in them. That's desperation because right. there's no reciprocity there. There's, right. They don't want you back. So that's where desperation comes in. But if you're just wanting to tell someone you want to see them more and you like spending time with them, it can't be that hard. And nobody hates hearing that. No. And I think that will like propel it forward. I think the problem with modern dating is everyone is so afraid to say anything that it just becomes this standstill that everyone's like, oh, is this person interested? Well, if they're not interested, I'm not going to be interested. And then what does that get you? Nothing. (sighs) Yeah. When both people don't want to say anything, nothing is said. And that's why you all complain about messages like, hey, you up? How's the weather? How's the weekend? Because nobody's trying to say anything. They're just saying things to say something. And that's where you get to stalemate. So if you want to move your relationship along, be that person. Be courageous. Step forward and have your person meet you there. And if they don't step forward with you, then they're not the right person for you. Right. I mean, I think it's all about baby steps and reading the room. Like UA said, don't keep doing something if someone's not giving you that response. But starting with something small, like you had a good time. Okay, now they're excited too. And Mm -hmm. you can feel, you know, when someone's like into it, it excited you're making that next plan you're like excited to see each other at that point then you could say something like i really like you i really enjoy spending time with you like there's so many ways you could just like continuously build on it yes so let's make it a challenge for all of y'all who are listening who may be in a situation where you're like i really want to tell this person i'm into them get your phone out right now find their phone number text them this exactly I've had a really good time getting to know you. I really like spending time with you and I can't wait for the next time we hang out. 
Yeah. That's it. That's it. Done. You're welcome. Done. Easy enough. Just don't send it to the wrong person. You're like, damn it, I sent it to the dog hey, groomer. <laughs> you never know. Maybe they're down with it also. <laughs> they're like, well, we love Mojo too. Can't wait for him to come back for his next grooming. Weirdo. Just send it to your whole contact list all at once. Oh, shit. Yeah. Make it's it like a contact roulette. Text. Yeah. Let's see who texts back. And <laughs> your grandma's like, I miss you too. Okay, this is a little bit of a tangent. Oh, I, I know ever... what you're talking about. The WhatsApp thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell people. <laughs> Tell people that story. I was just thinking that story. Do it. Let me drink out of my mouth. So it was, I feel like I don't really use WhatsApp all that much, but it was when I was (laughs) doing long distance with my boyfriend in the UK. So I was on WhatsApp all the time. Mm -hmm. And he was literally the only person I was messaging on there. So one day I get another message from like this number I didn't know. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But I saw that there were like, 30 other people on this group text and mm-hmm. funny enough one of the people on there was one of our past guests so, so i like weird. saw one name come up in so my contacts weird. but everyone else was just a random number he, the guy had labeled the group because you know how you can like label on groups yeah. he put it as prospects <laughs> so all the girls were like who the fuck is this and then we're like wait are we all people that he like thinks that he's like going out with or something but the irony was because people started saying this because i'm like i have no idea who this person was and i wasn't dating because i had a boyfriend and it turned out like a few people were like oh this is a guy like met up with like four years ago (laughs) and i looked like i looked and i like saw his photo and it like kind of came back to me i don't think we actually ever even went on a date but we had talked on a dating app like four years ago (laughs) but he like left the chat which was the best he left the chat and then apparently a bunch of the girls went out for brunch. That's what the mutual connection told me, which I think is actually kind of funny. This could be <laughs> the most ridiculous thing that one person could do or the most genius thing one person could do. Imagine if there was a social experiment where you brought all these people in, all these strangers to a room and they had to figure out why they were brought there. Oh, that kind of reminds <laughs> me of that MTV show, like, Are You the One? Do you remember that? Where, yes, like, the I one mean, is somewhere? Yeah, I still I still watch that show. <laughs> when I'm bringing much. up a reality TV show to UA, like, you know she's seen it, clearly. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I still live in that world. Thank you very much. You're like, I'm yes. planning on watching a marathon this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it right now as we're talking. <laughs> what do you know? Okay, but I think that should be more than enough to answer this question. How do you show interest without coming (laughs) off desperate? Awesome. Well, we're going to get into it, but quick announcements. I mean, definitely, actually, we were also on Sandy's podcast. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So I want to shout that out. We were on Sandy's podcast, The Last First Date Radio, and we were on episode 454. Damn, Sandy has a lot of episodes. And it was an insider's look into modern dating with UA Shu and Julie Kravchik. So very exciting. Yeah, if you're on YouTube right now, you're seeing it. If not, um, go Go to, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's all there. It's been up for a week now, so it's probably an Apple Podcast. So good to know. <laughs> there's a 62-hour there's a delay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but definitely check that out. And then I think just other quick...
quick announcements. Love in the time of Corona. Um, that's our Facebook group. That's where, you know, we've had just really great discussions. Like every day, I'm just like amazed by the different diverse perspectives and opinions. And then the sounding board is always our, that's where the real magic happens. I feel like that's what I always say to describe it. But it really is true because people there are like becoming legit friends. And we actually practice a lot of the stuff, I think, with each other, like good communication, Mm -hmm. vulnerability, like whatever is kind of The J word, the V word, not the D word. The C word (laughs) is another one that could be misconstrued is the communication. (laughs) I feel like they're all like the clean version and the dirty version. It's basically like (laughs) your mug is the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, but they all, I think it's a great place that you can essentially practice these skills So it Mm -hmm. becomes so ingrained in you that when you're out on dates, it's just natural. I think that's the place we want to all get to. And I think, like, I really think UA, for the two of us, part of the reason why we've grown is because we talk about this stuff so much. And it Mm. just, it's become second nature more. Yes. We're still on that J, that journey. It's always a work in progress. Always. But it's a journey that matters. That's it. Exactly. Okay. So shall we get into a couple of sponsors? Summer is finally here and we've been cooped up for so long. I feel like I'm taking every chance I can to be outside and exploring. So luckily, we found clamber shorts from Title Nine. They're made out of super stretchy, abrasion-resistant fabric. They're basically indestructible. And thanks to a wide, comfy waistband and tons of pockets, we love pockets, I can wear them all day long no matter what I get into. So I wore mine the other day going from hiking to a park picnic, to the beach, and then to like an afternoon of just lounging around on my balcony. They're so comfy and versatile that I didn't have to change. I mean, they're basically badass shorts. We love that Title IX was born in the Bay Area, just like our show. And get this, they've been around for over 30 years, so they definitely know what they're doing. With everything from innovative swim pieces to bottoms that actually fit, every product is designed for women seeking out their next adventure. Right now, Title IX is offering our listeners $10 off and free shipping on orders over $100 when you visit title9.com slash datable. Go to title9.com slash datable for $10 off and free shipping on your order of over $100. That's T-I-T-L-E-N-I-N-E.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is sponsored by Pros. I used to think that having soft and healthy hair took way too much maintenance, so I sort of gave up, especially when my hair became super frizzy and wavy in my late 20s. Well, then Pros came to the rescue with personalized hair care products. First, you take an in-depth hair quiz with interesting questions around where you live, your diet, and your lifestyle. And I was surprised that they even factored in the LA pollution to my personalized formula. With over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros can give you a unique blend of ingredients that caters to your every strand and follicle. Since using my personalized pre-shampoo mask, shampoo, and conditioner, I've noticed such a freaking difference. My hair feels softer and healthier. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash datable. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Okay, so shall we hear it from Sandy Wiener? Okay. 
communication is a part of everyday life. When we're born, we communicate verbally and non-verbally. And when it comes to human relationships, it's arguably the most important thing to keep a relationship alive, I would say. Yet, we don't learn communication skills in school. No. We don't get degrees in communication. <laughs> and then we're just thrown out in the world and people are like, here, go communicate. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> or if we do get degrees, it's definitely not like interpersonal communication, no, which is like no one teaches you how to communicate in relationships ever. In ever. Sanity, <laughs> I think. But Sandy Weiner is going to enlighten us with some communication skills and just break down what communication really is. She is the founder of the Last First Date and the Woman Value websites. She is an internationally known TEDx speaker, dating and relationship coach, women's empowerment coach, author, and podcast. Relationship coach, women's empowerment coach, author, and podcast host. She's been featured in Mind Body Green, Psychology Today, The Good Men Project, The Chicago Tribune, Your Tango, and The Daily Buzz. She's the host of two podcasts, The Last First Date Radio and The Woman of Value Podcast. She's 64 years old, currently lives in Stamford, Connecticut. She's been there for 25 years, originally from Atlanta, and she's single and actively going on dates. Hi, Sandy. Hi. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful. And I'm actually 65. Ooh, you just had, had a, a birthday. Medicare birthday, yeah. <laughs> Medicare birthday? <laughs> Amazing. Wait, when is your birthday? Was that recently? April 14th. Yeah. Oh my God. We've been trying to schedule this for so long <laughs> that you were 64 when we first had you fill this out. You've grown a whole year. Oh, You've amazing. matured a whole year. Well, we're so glad that we finally got time with you because this is a long overdue subject that we've been wanting to talk about so for so long. So let's just get into why do you think relationships can really benefit from communication. Why is communication just such an important part of it? Well, like you said, it's everything. We do not learn how to communicate well at home, most of us. It's pretty rare to have a family that's a direct communicators and kind communicators and really tune into our feelings. And we don't even know what feelings are. We don't know what our needs are. We don't know anything. And I, I know that for me, it influenced the choices I made in dating and the way that I dated, the way that I chose a husband. My marriage was filled with a lot of really bad communication. Mm. And so when I became a coach and got divorced, it was one of the first areas that I focused on. And actually, my ex-husband had a wake-up call at the end of our marriage and went to get help in his communication. And yeah, he studied nonviolent communication, which helped the end of our marriage the last three years during the separation. It helped us to really be peaceful and amicable and talk. It was amazing. So how did communicate, if you don't mind us going into it, like how did communication like kind of show up in that relationship ultimately ending it? Well, stonewalling was a big one. Mm. So for everybody who doesn't know what that is, that's basically when somebody walks away from a conversation, shuts the door on you. So there was a lot of that. I remember trying to have difficult conversations and he was so conflict averse mm -hmm. that we'd be like on a walk together and I'd say I just want to talk about what happened and he'd turn around and walk away from me 
and just leave me standing there. Uh, one of the one of the hardest times in our marriage, we went on a cruise. So he was a comedian, by the way, mm-hmm. and he was performing on the QE2. We were taking a five day cruise across the Atlantic from New York to England, and his parents were on the boat. That was a whole other layer of our marriage, where his parents were very involved, and he would go to them to talk about stuff rather than work things out with me. Mm. So we're leaving the city, and I'm looking at the beautiful sunset over New York City. And I say, this is so beautiful. And he says, yes, I want to share it with my parents. And I said, we're here together. And he left me on the deck as the boat was leaving. And that was the beginning of this trip. And I actually had a panic attack that night when I went to sleep. It was my first panic attack ever. And I think I just, it it just, everything culminated. I was feeling trapped on the boat, Mm -hmm. feeling trapped in my marriage. And he chose his parents over me. It was just like, so I think that happens a lot. And people just don't have the skills to be able to be in conflict. Well, I think the most, the times I felt most anxious in relationships is when the parties weren't communicating. Like usually when you can just break it down and have a conversation, a lot of the stuff that's floating in our head goes away. But for whatever reason, it can be very difficult to like have that conversation. I think a lot of it, like I know it's something like a skill that I've had to actively work on throughout like the last like 10 years, like because it's something that I think a lot of us are afraid to speak up because we don't want to rock the boat or we don't want to like make things bad. But in theory, like actually having those conversations could make it a lot better. Yeah. And so much is left to assumption. The Mm -hmm. stories we make up in our heads, man. Yeah. (laughs) I see this all the time. A lot of the coaching I do is to take apart those stories with women who are making up, well, he didn't do this. So that means that. And it's like, well, how do you know that? So separating fact from fiction is a big part of, of our own process. So communication is on many levels. It's, it's how we, experience somebody else and the triggers that we have and the uh, and the stories we make up the assumptions so it's there's yours mine and ours in any relationship mm. there's my stuff like i okay i'm always triggered when something happens and so i need to work that out then there's your partner's stuff mm-hmm. and then there's the stuff that gets created between the two of you that needs to be worked out mm. so i had a situation once when i was dating a guy where we were dating for a couple months and it was a Saturday night right before I was launching a new program. And you probably know that when you're in the middle of a launch, you're not exactly um, relaxed and there's so much to do. (laughs) And so I wanted to see him Saturday night, but I told him I couldn't stay over because I just, I knew I needed a full night's sleep. And he did not take that well. He took Mm. it personally, but he didn't talk about it. So this was the first argument we had where he receded. He, mm. he used to send me these cute little texts every morning with these like funny little poems. And the next day I got nothing. And so I waited a little bit and then I wrote to him, I miss, I miss your poem. And he wrote back, he started getting into why he was upset. And I said, hey, listen, let's talk about this tonight when we can talk on the phone. We lived about an hour from each other. So that's another step. It's like, don't have tough conversations on text and make sure you bring stuff up early on. What do you think is the main cause of a lot of issues in relationships? Is it, because I'm hearing two main ones. One is 
this idea that we should avoid conflict. I hear couples being proud of the fact that they never fight. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why do you never <laughs> fight? Because people want to avoid conflict and they think that's a, a something to be proud of. Or is it the issue that we think we are mind readers and we're mm -hmm. constantly trying to fill in the blank for our partner? Which one do you think is the bigger issue? Oh. God, they're both really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe they go hand in hand because when I you avoid so. conflict, then you stonewall yeah. and then you start making up stories about your partner. Yeah. I mean, you can't stuff your emotions for a long time. People do it for, I mean, I would say months, years. They can mm -hmm. implode and get sick. But I, whenever somebody says to me, I never fight, I always ask, are they having honest communication? Right. So back to you, yeah. Sandy. Yeah. Like, were you okay? So like, <laughs> were you, like obviously now you're you know you talk about communication for on this podcast, but you were talking about your marriage where communication was a big problem. Like, did you always view yourself as a good communicator, or were there steps that you took to like practice and fine tune the skill? I thought I was a good communicator. I thought I had all these great skills, and I certainly had insight and. I was pretty centered. Um, I, I could like look inward when I when there was a conflict and I could sort of parse out what the issues were. But I really didn't know how to name my feelings or my needs. I did not know how to set boundaries. I didn't even know really what what all my needs and values were like that. A lot of that came from coaching school. And when I really got clarity around how to, how to understand my values, but the, the feelings and needs part came during the end of my marriage. When the, the process of nonviolent communication is the first step is to take out all the judgment and all the, the stuff that we make up around the person. So that they call that the jackal. And when you first are triggered by somebody or you feel hurt, you're going to probably be name calling. What a jerk. Mm -hmm. You always do this. You never do that. Those are all ways that we sabotage the conversation. So we, we have to look at all that. What are we, what are we bringing to the conversation and clear it all away? And then we get to a clean observation. This happened. So let's take the, the thing where I didn't sleep over the boyfriend's house and he got upset. So he could have said, when you didn't sleep at my house, I was upset or you didn't sleep. You didn't sleep over Saturday night. That's, that's the fact, right? There's no mm -hmm. feelings or needs attached to that yet. And then you go through what was I feeling and you go through a lot of feelings to see what exactly were you feeling because most of us have a very small vocabulary around emotions mm -hmm. and then we were feeling that because a need of ours wasn't mm -hmm. met and once we can identify what those two things are we can express ourselves much more clearly and then you can make a request of the person the next time this happens would you be willing to do this you know and then you have a conversation but you're not accusing and you're not name calling and doing all the bad stuff that happens in fighting. So from a learning standpoint, are there different communication styles that we can break down now so we can <laughs> attach ourselves to one or the other? So I want to say they're not static. You can be one and you can become another. And really what you want to do is is be the most high functioning communicator. So I, I created four archetypes and they're all animals. Mm. So the first one <laughs> is the lion or the lioness, and that's the assertive communicator. And the assertive communicator can speak with confidence and clarity. Um, she knows her core values. She, she doesn't play games. She doesn't manipulate. And she wants to connect. You know, she knows how to set clear boundaries with others. 
and it's a skill set that can be learned. Then there is the scorpion, which is the aggressive style. Mm -hmm. And the aggressor is really right or wrong thinking, always wants to win. Um, She doesn't really feel the effect of her actions and words on other people. And she thinks that her opinions, needs, and rights are more important than other people's. And um, she wants to be seen, heard, and appreciated, but she doesn't know how to. She doesn't know how to get valued without putting other people down or being the loudest person in the room. Mm. And uh, let's see, the koala is the passive aggressive. <laughs> this was an interesting one. I was trying to find an animal for the passive aggressive. I never, never knew that koalas are really passive aggressive. Are they? they? look really, yeah, they look really cuddly and sweet, but they can suddenly lash out violently. Oh, wow. So. That's that archetype. It's that, oh, I'm so kind and I'm just too nice. And really what they're doing is they're suppressing what's really true for them because they're massive people pleasers Mm. and they may use sarcasm. Um, Mm. They're indirectly aggressive, which I really hate. Uh, They're very often, they're two-faced. They they gossip a lot. They can be deceitful. And the puppy is the submissive (laughs) style. (laughs) She's the real people pleaser. She just suppresses her needs and mm-hmm. wants to make everybody happy and not not upset anybody. Oh, I was the puppy at one point. <laughs> what are you now, Julie? Um, wait, what was the first one? The um, lion or lion. the I, I think I'm the lion now. I feel like I, I've done a lot of work on communication, but it was something I struggled with for a very long time. Mm. And what about you, UA? I feel like it depends on the context. Within a relationship, I would say I'm the lioness, but- At work, I'm definitely the koala. Super Mm, passive aggressive. I could see that. Super nice. That is interesting because I do think that it depends on the context. It depends on who you're talking to. And it depends on your partner in a relationship. I think I was definitely the puppy at one point Mm, with some of my mm -hmm. previous relationships. But for my current one, I'm definitely the lioness. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It could be the person, but I think also it can be the self-work because I actually like remember like when I revisited um, a past relationship, like he was like, wow, you've really changed like Mm -hmm. how you communicate. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this dating podcast for like five (laughs) years now, you know? So it's like some of it does come out with just experience and working that muscle and being aware of it. Like I think for me, a lot of it was stemmed from childhood too. Yeah. That like I didn't want, to like you know like rock the boat like I wanted to just like you know make everything be okay and good and I didn't like because I think I didn't want to I grew up with fighting and I did not want that in a relationship so I did like the reverse 180 where I wouldn't have any conflict but then I would just suppress it and then I would get resentful because I wasn't actually like because you can't never have any conflict right yeah uh yeah i think i grew up in your house <laughs> <laughs> you guys related sandy yeah, what animal so. what animal are you i'm d- i'm definitely the lioness now and mm. i probably was more a combination of puppy and koala mm-hmm. i was never i was never the scorpion because that was my family it was a bunch of scorpions and mm-hmm. um yeah and it's and there was also a lot of the passive aggressive in my family too so there was yelling but there was such unclear communication and so we'd be screamed at for not doing something but we had no idea we were supposed to do it because we were not mind readers and so that yeah and I think just knowing what I didn't want 
was a lot of the motivation for for who I became. But uh, but it's hard without the skills. I mean, every time I work with somebody new, and today I just started working with a new client who grew up in a home with very, very cold parents, which is also very common. And so she didn't get the love she needed. And she struggled to keep the peace as well. So it can be from Mm -hmm. either cold or hot parents and we just we don't know how to get our needs met and i think a lot of people feel it's mean to set boundaries mm-hmm. it's you know and so when you don't know how to do it and i teach a whole course on boundaries because of this work it's just so important to learn how to say what you need to say and to say totally. it nicely you know say it kindly not not be a pushover but i think that's why it's good that like we're starting to address that cuz i think our parents mm-hmm. generation too like oh my gosh. you know just like you, like if we're we think we're uneducated with communication, like the older and older you get, like just more was stuffed again, like under the rug kind of thing. And looking in retrospect, like I certainly don't blame them. Like they were just doing their best with it. But I think the whole piece about like stating your needs in like a way that isn't mean or selfish. Like I think for a long time I like felt like it was selfish to state my needs, and mm-hmm. I think that right. was the area that my ex saw the biggest change. Me. It wasn't necessarily that we had conflict. It was that I was just more like, this is what I want and this is what I expect, opposed to expecting him to be a mind reader. And mm-hmm. I think some of it too, I think, stems from like, you know, like romantic comedies and like bad like dating books that it's like, if they really loved you, they would know what to do. And that's just not always <laughs> realistic, right? right? It's like right? Magic. When you're yeah. in love, you just communicate so exactly. well. telepathically, right? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much truth to that. And I think also we tend to see the world only in our way. We don't Mm -hmm. really see the world in the way the other person does. And that's another big piece of growth. When I was having conflict with my daughter after the divorce, I hired a coach, a relationship coach to help me with her. And I worked with her alone, but she had me draw a triangle on the ground, which I I love this exercise. So you draw like a, you know, just an imaginary triangle. And one point of the triangle is you, the other point is the other person, and then the top of the triangle is the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so... You first stand in your position. So you're doing this alone and you, you're saying what the issue is. Then you go in the other person's position and you try to see it from their point of view. Mm. And that was like, wow, oh, I never saw it that way. And then you look at it from the relationship perspective, who you are together. And so it's, it's fascinating to do this because I was able to see that I was expecting her to be me, you know, and to mm-hmm. see things the way I saw them and to put things away the way I would put things, you know, and it's, we get so angry, we take it personally when somebody doesn't do what we want. Right. And so if you just say it kindly, and then if, like if you're dating somebody and you say it kindly and you ask for what you want and they keep ignoring you or they say, oh, you're too sensitive or you're right. too anything, Right. You know, and I always say if somebody says you're too something, it means you're too much for them. It's not that you have the problem. They have a problem with you. But I think that's important, though, because if you expect people to be mind readers, you're not even giving them an opportunity to like react in any way. So yes, like what you just said, if someone's like putting you down or like, like says they're going to do something and then they just continue not to, at least that's a data point. But if you never ask them in the first place, like they can't kind of accept expect that they would just know that no yeah we expect that in relationships a little too much and i think that is the crux of all the dating 
problems and issues is that Mm -hmm. even in the beginning of like when you're just texting or messaging back and forth, there's a lot of like misread messages and misunderstandings because you're just putting yourself, putting them in your shoes. Like, oh, this is why I would say like that. And when you really don't know, they're they're mere strangers. And we, we think we forget that when it comes to dating. You're meeting a stranger. Let's take a quick break from this incredible conversation all about communication, learning so much as we speak for a few messages. This episode is brought to you by Z-Man Games, an array of fun games for adults, one of which is called Love Letter. Now, in this card game, your goal is to win the heart of the noble princess who is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help with her royal duties when she one day assumes the throne. Your goal is to enlist the characters in the castle to deliver your love letter while keeping other players' letters away. It's trickier than it sounds. Powerful cards lead to early gains but make you a target and rely on weaker cards for too long and your letter may be tossed in the fire. I find it to be a fun and nice 20-minute mental break during the day. This two to six player card game fits in your pocket so you can take it with you anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can find it at Target, your local game store, or directly through Z-Man's web store. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. (laughs) Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I feel like the love languages was kind of like a good way to like see how different people like, you know, showed love and took in love. But I feel like there needs to be something for communication styles, even more in a way. But I guess, okay, so the three of us were able to identify ours pretty easily, probably because we've been thinking about this a lot. What about (laughs) the average person that like (laughs) might not know which animal they fall into? Like what are ways that they can like identify their patterns and their communication styles and then also their partners if they have a partner so i have a quiz that will be up on my website by the time this goes live and i'll give you a link to that and so people can really go through and see where they come out and not only does the quiz um, help you identify your your communication style but it tells you why you became that way and Mm. what you can do like what are the character what are the character traits who becomes so like who becomes a puppy the puppy developed this style because um, he or she grew up in a family that probably didn't honor her for who she was, but what she did, like she had to prove who she was. And mm. she learned that through pleasing others, she'd be appreciated. 
And when she spoke up in the past, she was put down and told she was too sensitive or too loud or too something. So often, and and it can be a loving home. So I had a client who was brought up in a home where a parent was ill, and she had to suppress who she was in order not to upset her mom. And, you know, so, so she became the straight A student who had to be perfect. And ended right. up marrying a narcissistic man and didn't know why. And so, you know, it's 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 clear, but throughout therapy, she never con- they never connected the dots as to how she became a codependent. She said, My parents love me so much. Yeah, they did, but you had to not be you. So mm. when we don't aren't allowed to fully be us and be honored for who we are, we end up with some of these dysfunctional communication styles. And we protect ourselves by hiding parts of who we are. I mean, that's, Mm. I I definitely was quiet because I didn't want to be judged. Mm. And so I think we we do these things to protect ourselves and put up these shields. And once we know how we came about this communication style, is communication style similar to schemas where it's just the way you are and you just have to learn to cope with it? Or is there like a North Star animal? Is there like like the dolphin? We should all be working <laughs> towards becoming the dolphin or something like that. <laughs> I think it's like attachment styles a little bit more than the schemas. Um, because attachment, like let's say you have an avoidant attachment style and you tend to shut down when you're in relationships and avoid intimacy. You can learn how to be a more secure attachment style in many different ways. And it's the same thing with communication. You can learn to get clear on your values and your core needs. You can stop saying yes when you mean no. Like the boundaries really help a lot with any of the codependent kinds of communication styles. And you stop doing favors for people. Like that mm-hmm. that's the yeses all the time. Yes, yes. I'm just I'm so nice. You're not so nice. You're depleting yourself and I don't want to be around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you learn to accept feedback and give feedback. Like I, I joined Toastmasters and part of Toastmasters is speaking up but it's also learning how to give and receive feedback. Mm-hmm. And in the evaluation process, I mean, that's a big part of asserting yourself and becoming mm-hmm. a lioness. So a lot of people, when I hear people give evaluations, they only say nice things. Yeah. And then they'll they kind of relay the entire speech. And that's really not very effective or va- valuable. No. But when you tell someone, you just like you would say in a relationship, um, this is the part that worked. And here's where I think you can really grow even mm-hmm. more. Here's some areas of improvement. And you hone in on those things. That's going to be a lot more valuable than hearing your speech, you know, given back to you. And the same thing with when you're in conflict, you know, I really care about you. And here's what's not working for me, mm-hmm. or this is making me uncomfortable. So learning scripts, learning how to say things, even at the beginning of the, um, the dating process, like you said, being able to let a person know that if you don't like texting, say, I, I don't like texting. <laughs> I right. find it really a hard way to get to know people. And I'd love to get on the phone. Does that work for you? And it's there's a way to say these things where it's not like, you know, what the hell are you doing texting me so much? Or Right, right. right. 
It's all how you say it. I yes, think that's what yes. I've learned over this is like, I think before I thought conflict equaled yelling and getting upset. And I think it was actually Alexandra Solomon that we had on our podcast that really like cemented for me that like every relationship has conflict because you're two people coming together with different worldviews and ways of processing things. And it's how you say it. Like if you could say it in a calm way versus like a heated way and a again every scenario is different there may be a scenario that's not possible but I think the more we can like bring conflict with love that's like because like some of it's just like how you say it you're gonna get a response a certain way like someone's gonna feel defensive or like whatever it may be like I think it's how you say it is so important and the intention like what you're saying right now it's it's if your intention is to connect more deeply or to mm-hmm. get to know somebody better, let them know up front. I'm having this mm. conversation with you because I care about you and I yeah. want to get closer to you. That takes away so much of the, the, the scariness and the defensiveness, which is another one of those terrible ways of arguing the criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling. And uh, contempt are the four ways, the four worst ways we can argue because they shut the door in your face. It's all right or wrong thinking Mm -hmm. instead of, I actually want to get closer to you. Right, right. Because I think the fight, it's like me versus you, there's going to be a winner and a loser. And that mentality is just setting you up for failure by getting into that. Exactly. How do we restructure our thinking around confrontations? Because I think in all the examples you've given, some people would classify those as confrontation when you're stating Mm -hmm. your needs. How can we get people around that mindset that it's not a confrontation? And if it is a confrontation, doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Mm. I would use the word conflict resolution. Mm. Mm. I like that. Because you're really trying to resolve the issue, not have conflict. I, I think that people are really afraid of the big fight. And like you said, Julie, it's because we, we the, the way that we've experienced conflict has been all the worst ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the yelling and we feel attacked. It feels violent. Right. And that's why nonviolent communication is, right. is, is a way to get closer and to connect. It was actually created it to um, have uh, peace among gang members and mm. warring countries. I mean, this is where this whole process started. And if you can take gang members who hate each other and find <laughs> common values, because that's really where we connect. If you look at most couples, they really do have the same goals, the same values, Mm -hmm, and it's how we express it that's different. So if we can find a way to bridge that gap and say, okay, we both have the same needs, let's find a way to make it work for both of us. You both have to be willing to do it, but I think that that's a way to, to make peace and bridge those gaps. So outside of like taking your quiz, which I fully plan on doing with my partner (laughs) also, but like, how do you like start to understand where they're coming from a bit? Because here's an example that someone in our community gave that she's dating someone and he's a little less direct, like he's more abstract. Like he would say, like, I want to talk more. But to her, she's like, does that mean 
mean talk on the phone, text, see each other? Like, what does that times? actually? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like, what does that actually mean? She's like, it would have been better if he just came out and said, "I would like it if you called me at the end of the day every day." Like, how do you like kind of manage these two that are different? Like, that's not even a conflict per se. That's like an every. I mean, it's a mini conflict, but it's not like a what you think of as like a blowout fight or anything. But it's like these little stressors of just two people coming at this in opposite viewpoints. Like, how do you reconcile those? I would say curiosity is the key. Always ask questions. So if somebody says, talk more, what do you mean by that? It's a simple question. Because, I I mean, if you start guessing, you're going to make yourself crazy. Mm. When I talk to my mom, I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out what she's trying to say because she leaves out a lot of words. So I'm like, okay, I think that means that. I'm not sure. (laughs) Did you mean that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure, mom. You just left out a whole piece there. So it's hard (laughs) for me to make that leap. But I I speak up and ask for what I want. So, uh, you know, I, I, I live with one of my children who communicates in a completely different way. And pretty much everything I say is taken out of context. And (laughs) so it's like, I have to not get triggered by that. It's Mm -hmm. been really very challenging. But what I'll do is I'll take a breath and center myself. And then I'll ask her, what were you making up there? Because, you know, and that's, that's another thing is like, we make Mm -hmm. up stories. So Brene Brown says, the story I'm making up is, and that's a great Mm -hmm. way to start a conversation too. You know, just ask questions. I think it's like, you know, tell me more. What do you mean? I love the Brene Brown, like this is the story in my head, because I feel like it's such a great way to phrase it too, because it's not putting it on your partner, it's putting it on yourself. And I think ultimately, like, yes, I mean, like, someone can say something that offends you. But at the end of the day, it's how you are processing it. And all we can do is share that and then have them learn from that. Like, again, back to people not being a mind reader. But I think if you went into that and being like, you know, you never text me or you never call me like that's like a very different vibe that's going to just elicit a response back that's not like a conversation right so the you never text me is more of a Scorpio kind Mm -hmm. of approach Mm. it's an accusation it's not a request right so it's and it's not direct it's indirect and now I'm feeling shamed and so break it down like what do you want and I think for anybody who has any communication style to just take a moment and ask yourself what do I want how can I express that and it's a me thing, I can say what I need. How do we get people to truly state their needs? Because yeah. in the scenario that we just gave, the need is not they want to communicate more. What I'm hearing is there's an underlying need of I need to feel more secure in this mm-hmm. in this relationship. But I don't think people come out and say that. Instead of mm-hmm. they say something very trivial, I wish we yep. talked more. So how do we get people there? Communicate their needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I give my clients from the nonviolent communication has a list of feelings and needs on their website. Mm -hmm. And it's a good place to look because the charts, you look through the charts and you start to really feel into it. And the truth is that our thoughts and our feelings are very different, but we often confuse them. Mm. Our body really knows the feelings. And that's why nonverbal communication is so important because often we'll say something, but our body is something else. Like it's tightening up and it's our, you know, our brow changes. So, you know, get 
the first place to do is check your body. Like when this is happening, what's happening in your body? Because a lot of people really don't know how to name anything. So I'll always have clients just just go is tightening in my chest when I feel anxious, mm. I shortness of breath, I'm clenching my fists, my jaw tightens. Like they can start to understand the, the trigger points in their body to help them now articulate a feeling. Mm. And then you can, I mean, there are many different sources for feelings, but it's good to, to get charts and that list feelings and mm -hmm. needs so that you can have a bigger vocabulary. And a feeling is always connected to a need. So you're right, like if somebody's not getting texted enough, they're, they're feeling insecure, they're feeling a need for connection, a, feel, mm -hmm. a need for um, to be closer to that person. And it's vulnerable because maybe that person doesn't want the same level of connection that you do. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't name any of this years ago. But with the boyfriend who wanted me to sleep over, I said, you know, in this relationship, we both have to honor each other's needs. And I can't stay in this relationship if we're not going to do that. I just had a need for sleep. Right. I wasn't, I, <laughs> I wasn't really, it wasn't about you. And I just need to know that that you're okay with that, you know, and that you're mm -hmm. not going to judge me or take it personally when I need to take care of myself. Right. And that was a conversation I could never have had earlier, because mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't even know that I needed sleep. I probably wouldn't have right. gone with sleep. I would have given up my sleep and then been a bitch the next day. So it's it's knowing also like take take some in inventory of your own needs. And I think that's it's one of the most important places to start. During the day, I have people go through the day saying, will this feed me or drain me? Mm -hmm. you, you know, and, mm. and that includes what you're putting in your mouth, what you're the phone calls you're taking, the meetings you're saying yes to anything that you do you really have to start understanding if you're overdoing, overgiving, overextending, which is a big reason why people communicate poorly. Mm -hmm. I love this digging into the deeper need that's happening. Yeah. Like, is there ever a situation where two people's communication style just clashes, like that they can't <laughs> work through it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if if so, all the relationships that don't work are usually with often with, I would say, like a scorpion and a puppy mm -hmm. or a scorpion and a koala or a scorpion uh, or, and anybody, anybody. I right? can't that just sounds like a freaking nightmare. It's true. <laughs> So it, let's say there's a situation where one of my clients said the guy was moody. He was moody when he didn't get his way, which means he was controlling. And he always mm. had to have his way. But because she couldn't articulate it, she would try to take care of his moods and mm. make him feel better. And so we that's the caretaker, the you know, so that's the childhood crap that we have to work through all that trauma. And so when you recognize, okay, I'm trying to fix somebody who's not fixable. Right. And so yeah, in those situations, it's it's really hard to be with somebody who's a scorpion, unless they become aware and they go for therapy themselves, mm. just get the hell out of that relationship. <laughs> right. It sounds like the other ones like you can kind of like I'm thinking back to this example about like the calling or texting, yeah. like that could have been like, like, if you're kind of a skilled communicator, maybe that's something you could even take on if your partner's not there to be like, what is the deeper thing that's going on for you? And 
and like try to like reframe it. Like, are there any other techniques? Like if your partner just isn't there, let's say, you know, all of our listeners are super dateable. They're getting there. They're listening to this right now. Like, what do they do if their partner is just not in the same place? Not in the same place as they like, are in terms as like of communication, like honing in on their communication skills without totally calling it. Like, I mean, obviously that's like worst case scenario, but like, what can they do to try to make it work if they're just like not, they're having more conflicting styles? I would just get really vulnerable, you know, and just say, I'm really sad when we can't talk. Mm. I want to get close to you and I feel that it, there's a wall up. And is mm-hmm. there a way that, you know, maybe are you not feeling safe opening up to me? Like mm. really just get into the, you know, the granular part of it. Because I think that when we get really vulnerable and we just take that guard down, it's it's a place where somebody can open to. And usually what we do is we keep our guard up because we don't want to get hurt. And so it's a hard thing to do. But I think we have to take those risks because otherwise mm. two people just keep colliding and it can be a year down the road and you're just missing each other. And, you know, and going back to attachment styles, like if you're dating and avoidant and that person doesn't feel comfortable opening up ever, it's just never going to change. It's not going to grow unless unless you're really open with that person and say that I, I can't continue unless you open up more. And maybe maybe we need to go to therapy together. You know, I had a client who asked her boyfriend to go to therapy and or even just do a couple's weekend or do something. And he just said, no, I'm not doing anything. Right. She walked wow. away. Right. But at least you like tried in that she case. Tried. Yeah. yeah, she tried. I like how you phrased it too about like I, like it came from like yourself, not like you were doing something wrong. Like you brought the you in later to have it as a collaborative conversation, but it didn't start with you. And I think I've read a lot of like communication books and like how to like phrase it. And I think the starting with your own feelings is a really good way that makes people not react on the defensive. Absolutely. And and here's a little tip about talking about your feelings. If you say I feel that or I feel like you are not stating a feeling, you're stating an mm. opinion. Mm. So I feel like you didn't come to dinner on time. <laughs> right. Well, that's basically you, but just turned into an I statement. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. And people do it all the time. It's like, how did you feel about that? Well, I felt that he really didn't treat me well. Right. That's not a right. feeling. Right. <laughs> but we, yeah. most people talk like that. They're using the feel word. And so they think it's feelings. So we oh, have to get, hit, right? And so just <laughs> catching yourself. I love that though. Cause I, I mean, I, I never stopped to think about it. And like I said, I've read a lot of books about this stuff, but I think you're right. Like people could fall into the trap of like, I'm saying I, I'm saying feel, but like <laughs> yeah. I'm not really doing that instead of really getting to that deeper root of like, what is it? that I'm feeling. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling like, I don't know, whatever you're feeling in that moment. (laughs) So good rule of thumb is if you start a sentence with I feel, it needs to end with a feeling. Yes. I've definitely been guilty of this. I said stuff like, I feel like you suck at this. And that's probably not a feeling. That's just no, a fact. No, it's, it's just a fact. <laughs> so if you had to leave people with like one tip of like how to be a more effective communicator, I know this is a broad <laughs> question because people are coming at all different levels, but like what would be like one kind of universal truth you would give? Mm. Uh, the curiosity word just keeps coming up for mm-hmm. me. I think yeah. really ask questions. We make so many assumptions about people. And I think if we just say, 
what do you mean by that? Tell me more. Right. Right. I, 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 even when somebody says I need space, what if you found out what space meant? What if it meant a week off because my mother's sick and I need to go to the hospital versus this is kind of a breakup and I'm afraid to break up with you. And what if people could just be honest and just like, I really want to know because I'm going to move on if it's scenario number two, if it's scenario number one, I'll be here waiting, Right. you know, and right. So if we could just. I hate that phrase. I need more space. Nobody should ever use that. That was almost the demise of my relationship at the beginning of COVID when my boyfriend said, I need space. And I packed up all my shit. And I was like, I'll give you all the space forever and ever. And he's like, no, I met for like an hour. You know? (laughs) But then that one, okay, so you had a very strong reaction. What would that be in this? That would be the Scorpio coming out? Um, oh, really? Was I the scorpion? Well, you were being defensive. You were you were just shielding yourself. Okay, I'll give you all the space you need. It's a little passive aggressive. I think yeah. it's a little sarcastic. Oh, some more, more the koala, koala still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to be right. I was just like, That's true. fine. Fine, I'll give you space. Yeah, I'll give you all yeah. the space in the world, <laughs> douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that you are a douchebag. <laughs> that is that's not in the list. <laughs> So not to turn on you, Yue, but how did you get over that then? Like, how did you move it from koala to, I know you did, but like, how did you get over like not being the koala in this circumstance? Well, I think it goes back to what Sandy's saying is leading with curiosity and asking more questions. When he said that he needed more space, I did not clarify. I was just like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, hold on, let me check. What does this mean? I was more like, fuck you. You don't love me anymore. You don't want to be in this relationship. I'm out of here. And I packed up my stuff and I went back to my own apartment for the weekend. And during that weekend, I was like, hey, I never stopped to ask, what does more space mean? (laughs) And so I did call him, not very like me because I'm so prideful. But that Sunday I called him and I was like, hey, I just really want to talk about this. I never clarified what space meant. And he was like, I used the wrong word because what I really want to say is we should really share the responsibilities of this household. And I feel like I'm, I'm putting in a lot to like taking care of you. But I just want it to be an equal partnership, different mm. than wanting space. But that's how it manifested for him. But this is so typical, typically me until this relationship. And Sandy, what you said about just like making up stories and stonewalling, that was me for the last like 39 years. You know, it's just <laughs> all of my relationships ended like, well, fine. You know, if you didn't do that, then fine. I'm out yep. of here. And this is the first relationship where someone called me out was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, that's not yeah. how an adult communication work helps that he went to therapy first so yes but I, I love that and I and that's what I mean it's like if you have a good partner who's going to call you up in a kind way mm-hmm. like call you up to your higher self not call you up like to your lowest self which is what <laughs> yeah. a lot of people do but um, and that was one of the reasons I married my husband actually that was one good thing that he did was he called me up in in many ways he he wanted to really deal with stuff and mm. but then it all changed once we got married. But I was attracted to that. And I realized that all my life, I was attracted to people really clear. Like we had a therapist for my children once, a play therapist, and she was so clear about her standards. Like you came in, you had to take your shoes off. You're not allowed in the therapy room. You have to pay in advance. Like it was, everything was laid out. It was very clear. So I 
adapted all of those things as I got better at communication in my business as well. Like my contract is clear. I have a very Mm. clear first session with a client about what to expect. Mm. And here's how we're going to design our relationship together. I think every couple should do that. Here's what Mm -hmm. you can expect from me. I'm probably going to screw up here. You know, can't, can I curse? Yes, you can curse too. I mean, really just saying stuff and putting right. it out there. And we don't, we don't talk about stuff enough. You know, even I asked a boyfriend once, how might you sabotage this relationship? We had been on like three dates and he was like, what are you talking about? I said, well, we all do stuff to sabotage. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours so we can know what to look for. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. This is why communication is such an important topic. Ugh. And I'm so glad we were able to like devote an entire episode because I feel like over the last five years, we I think one of our takeaways in pretty much every episode is like open communication, like communicate more. Like that always comes up. Like the example that you both gave basically like with this like if people are not good communicators that's when things just dissolve because I could totally see the example like UA you said like if you stormed out somewhere why would someone like even question it if they were not trained to question it they're just gonna be like mm-hmm. oh she's done so I'm yeah. done it's like always like an ego thing so I think we should transition to takeaways because it's been such an amazing conversation but I think the one that keeps standing out for me and we always say this is the why 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 the three levels of why digging deeper and I think whatever someone says as kind of the ch- the problem that's going on how can you take it like two levels past that to like what is the core thing that's happening for you and then for them and I love the other kind of big takeaway I have is there's always three people in this relationship you them and the relationship and I think that's mm-hmm. really important to like think about it as a team like we're not going head to head we're not trying to win this fight you know like we have the common goal of making this relationship work and loving each other and being there for each other and how can you use conflict and communication to relay that instead of you suck you're like you're not meeting my needs whatever it may be right so I love this visual of the triangle because you've got you on one side your partner on the other side and the goal which is a common goal at the top which is an uphill so it means that it's still going to be a challenge but you're both trying to walk uphill nobody's trying to go downhill from here. And I think we forget that in relationships. You enter into relationships and dating because both people want it to work. Even if it's a first Mm -hmm. date, second date, before a date, everybody goes into communication or connecting with someone else wanting it to work. So it's, it's good to constantly ping pong back and forth between what what it is my partner wants, step into their shoes, and then how can I get my needs met as well? Um, The other takeaway I have is I feel like we jump to conclusions so much, but then Mm -hmm. the way we communicate with kids is so different because we just assume they don't know everything. So we over-communicate. We're extremely empathetic and sympathetic to kids, Mm -hmm. and we're caring and we're kind. Why don't we talk to adults in the same way? way. I feel like I'm way more patient talking to kids because I'm like, obviously, they don't know what this means or what I'm going through. But we should approach relationships in the same way. Obviously, they do not know what's going on in your head Mm -hmm. because they are not you and they're not psychic and they cannot read your mind. Yeah, I think mind reading, ego and pride are the demise of relationships. Right? (laughs) That's another demise triangle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The three pillars of ruining a relationship. Ego, pride, and then mind reading at the top. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, there's another another great analogy between I love the child analogy and coming in actually as your as a child into a relationship bringing that sense of play and openness mm-hmm. is so important but also looking at other people in a in a dating situation as if they're from another planet Mm-hmm. And just yeah. like, I know nothing about this planet yeah. and I'm coming in and I'm so curious to know everything, but I'm not going to assume anything because I know nothing. And I, I think coming that. in with that beginner's mind of like, here I am on a planet I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important because I think a lot of times too with communication, we take the past, whether that's our upbringing, whether that's a past relationship, like, oh, it's happening again. But you don't know if it really is happening again because it's a new person. So I think the ultimate takeaway of this whole thing is stay curious. That is definitely <laughs> the biggest thing. Bring curiosity to every conflict and communication. Just everything in life. It'll help us with everything in life. <laughs> Just staying curious. Thank you, Sandy, for being such a wonderful guest. And thanks for having us on your podcast. We had such a lovely discussion. Uh, we can't. W- I can't wait for people to take your quiz because... Ultimately, what I would love to do either for a follow-up episode or bring you for in for one of our events is talk about if you are one of the animals, what do you do? What are the mm-hmm. things that you need to be working on as a puppy versus yeah. as a lioness, right? Because everyone's it's going to be different, everybody's strategy um, to be become better communicators. But thank you for I feel like I am a one hour better communicator as a uh-huh. as a result of this <laughs> yeah. episode. For sure, for sure. Uh, and I'm gonna, you. I'm gonna refrain from using. I feel that. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that is a takeaway for sure. <laughs> I have to give credit to one of my guests, Jocelyn Johnson, for helping me with that. Like I always knew that it was a judgment, but I didn't pinpoint it to the like and that. Mm. And it is such an. It's like whoa, that's so easy to catch. But I think we have to make some new merch that says, stay curious, stay dateable. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> stay curious, it. stay dateable. I love it. I, I, I love that. We'll send you one of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Sandy. I know we gave your bio earlier, but like if people want to like find you, what's kind of like a few ways that they can search you on the internet? The interwebs. <laughs> I'm in a lot of places on the interwebs, yes. but probably the best place is my website, lastfirstdate.com. And you can join my Facebook group, Your Last mm-hmm. First Date. Those are probably the two best. And you're a member of our Facebook group, too. Yes. Love it. <laughs> and Janice and is a moderator of your I group, know. too. <laughs> so incestuous, you know, just like swap <laughs> our moderators. Another request for our listeners is while you're on the interwebs, might as well go to Apple Podcasts and give both of our podcasts a five-star rating. It really helps us, one, bring you better content, two, bring you better guests, and three, stay sane through all of this. And know we're working towards something that people are listening to and we're not just talking to ourselves so (laughs) apple Podcasts, give us both our both of our podcasts a five-star rating maybe just a quick comment about why you love us it is so helpful i feel that it is very helpful like getting those reviews though reading those really does warm our hearts so thank you for everyone that has and for if you haven't takes two seconds drop us one very much appreciated perfect we're going to wrap this up stay Stay and communicative (laughs) 
The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Stay dateable.